Yes, sir, and welcome to the Man on Second podcast on Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Joe Frasaro, joined as always by our host, co-host and producer, Dave D'Agostino. Uh, a lot going on at the at the network right now. We're, we're grow, growing this podcast, and as always, our mission is to raise the baseball IQs of our audience. We shall do so today with, uh, with a man who ranks up with the absolute best high school baseball co- coaches in the country, Todd Fitzgerald from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, defending national champs. Uh, down here, the rest of the country may not realize it, but down in South Florida and in the state of Florida, high school baseball is going to be starting up preseason games next week, regular season games right around the corner. But before we bring in Todd Fitzgerald, uh, let's bring in Dave with some announcements. Dave. Yeah, Joe, thank you. We've got episode 444 on the network now. I want to thank our 67,000 subscribers from 74 countries. We're hitting at grassroots MLB front offices. I want to give you a couple of sponsors just to, to pay attention to. First is Jaw Bats. If you use RVG at checkout, Major League Baseball's newest certified bat, you can get a discount on it. My son Tanner's using his M110. Lefty and righty, Jeff Fry, our host of She Gone, is using his in fantasy. Can't hit a double. So recommend Jaw Bats highly. Pay attention to Bonet. And pay attention to Kinetic Arm. If you didn't hear Friday's episode uh, with Jeff Fry, Kinetic Arm is a great new product out there for arm health. We're going to do some special projects and events with them. So please, please get on Kinetic Arm before we start doing our announcements. And uh, Millions, our newest marketing partners, our memorabilia will be up tomorrow. Hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts, you name it. Plus, of our, plus all of our experiences we're going to offer. So you can get one-on-one time with our hosts, whether it's video or in person. So. With that, Joe, a lot of exciting things going on. Pumped up about our guest tonight, though. we got a packed show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave, you're going to think you're really going to enjoy this one, too. Um, as our audience knows, we, we, we cover it all. You know, grassroots to big leagues. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a high school player on. Last week, we had Nick Green the, on, the former player analyst with the Atlanta Braves. And, and this week, we're bringing in Todd Fitzgerald from Stoneman Douglas, a, you know, a man I really respect. Got to know the last couple of years when I started doing high school sports for SB Live and some of the other projects I'm I'm working on, and and it's just an honor to have Todd Fitzgerald on. Uh, you know, just quick little background. Uh, Fitz last year his team uh, Stoneman Douglas won their third straight state title. And I believe it's the, they won that, the national championship, and I believe it's their second national title in the last three years. Um, he's it's your third. Okay. Third. <laughs> so uh, that, that speaks for itself. Last year, uh, Coach Fitz uh, reached a milestone, more than 500 career wins, uh, an absolute master at uh, coaching. Soma Douglas is loaded yet again. One of the really fun teams to, to follow. And for our audience, and I know we have a lot of, you know, players around the country uh, and parents of players that are getting into to sports, just I want this conversation really to open your eyes to what really high-end high school football, excuse me, baseball is like. I do cover high school football too, so excuse the Freudian slip. And Fitz also is a Crimson Tide fan, which uh, we'll we'll jump in a little bit and talk about Nick Saban and and killing uh, DeBoer, the new Bama coach. We'll get some thoughts on on just legendary coaches. But without further ado, uh, Todd Fitzgerald, welcome, my friend. 
Thanks for having me, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be on tonight and uh, look forward to having a great show. Yeah, Fitz, you know, next week uh, you kind of get it going and I kind of we're going to cover a lot of ground, but I want you really to kind of pump up the the 2024 Stoneman Douglas Eagles team because, you know, this is an exciting club. Uh, you know, Obviously, your son, Devin Fitzgerald, the shortstop, is uh, one of the top players in the country, high school players in the in the nation, uh, North Carolina State commit. Um, and, you know, he, he's on your team, obviously. you got a lot of really great players. Uh, but every year, we, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago when I when I saw you guys practice. Last year's team, so dominant, 29-0, go undefeated, win state and national. Uh, and yet, now you got a, a, this, the 24 version gets to build their own legacy. Talk about that and what's kind of stood out from from what you see from this year's team and, and you know, just kind of how, their personality. Well, I think, number one, I think our 24 class has been really good, you know, ever since they came in as freshmen. And, you know, obviously they, they've put us, you know, on the map with, with some of the other guys. But uh, I think the key to success for us this year is going to be the leadership from the 24 group stemming down to the 25s and 26s. I don't think they understand, the younger kids understand the – intensity level that we play at and the high octane offense and, and, and defense that we can play at and getting those guys just to be able to play up to speed and under control and not think that they're just going to come in and we're just going to continue doing what we're doing. It takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of preparation and, and commitment on their part to really buy in and lock into what we're doing. And I think over the last week or so, we've really kind of hit our stride. They had a players-only meeting uh, the other day and kind of aired some things out and kind of laid the law of the land down for the young guys. And, you know, I think sometimes it's good when, when teams police themselves and not hearing it from the coach all, all the time. So the last week and a half has been really good at practice. I think our guys are chomping at the bit and uh, they're ready to go. And, and like I said, we're just looking at game one and that's a preseason game on Tuesday. And, and we'll just see where we go from there, but we just take it one day at a time. Yeah, Fitz, this is what, you know, getting to know you and, and you know, what the expectation level is clearly there, the standards there. Um, I equated a bit to, I just got off of doing the high school football season. Obviously, we know Shamana Madonna, just a complete powerhouse. They won their third straight. St. Thomas Aquinas, they won their fifth straight. And the thing about those teams, and you're the baseball version of that for South Florida, where the expectation is there and the players buy into that and they don't rest on any laurels. They don't sit around and say, you know what, this is good enough. I'm going to lower my standard a little bit. I'm going to take my foot off the pedal. It's just the opposite. And why do you think that is, you know, why do you think that these teams that I mentioned, the football teams and your team, what's key to that to, to not be complacent and continue to just push forward uh, to reach the standards and the championships that are the carrot at the end of the tunnel. I think it's just the culture that you create in your program, right? How do you want your program to be known? How do you want your players to be known? How do you want them to be known, not only on the baseball field, but outside in the community? Uh, So really it's just the culture that's created, that's kind of created the atmosphere that we have now and the winning attitude of, of success, right? Um, it's, it took a long time to, 
to change the culture when I first got there in 2012. But those guys that I coached in 2012 and 13 really helped lay the foundation for where we're at now because they had total buy-in and they went through things that they've probably never had to go through in their baseball life as far as the conditioning and the discipline and the work ethic. When I got there, it was, you know, the kind of the, the natives ran the, ran the roost. So I just had to clean that up, teach them how to win, put them in situations that uh, they could play in and thrive in, uh, put them in, in really hostile environments to go play in and help them understand that, you know, you're playing the game between the lines and you can't worry about the outside noise. And, you know, once you get one of those big wins, it kind of just – kind of just takes off from there and the guys really start believing and then where we've been the last three years it's just been every team's been different every year so how do you want your legacy to be laid when you graduate um so they don't want to let the previous teams down that were there before them so they want to try and be better than those guys and that's really you know what it's all about for those guys and it's about uh winning and being the best not only baseball player, but really the best person you can be on and off the field, in the classroom, in the community, and wear the and wear the Douglas uh, uniform with pride because you're a representation of not only me, the school, and your family. So it's important, I think, the kids understand that and they believe in that. And you know, we just got to keep them, keep them, uh, keep building them, and keep them, uh, you know, hungry. Yeah, they they stay hungry. They're great kids. I always, you know, uh, really appreciate the hospitality that I get, not just from you, your staff, but the players themselves, uh, the way they conduct themselves, the way they carry themselves, uh, the little private conversations I have with them, uh, offering some, uh, you know, my insights with, you know, more than 20 years covering big league baseball and any little bit of information I could pass along to them. They're attentive. They're respectful. And and I really appreciate that. Uh, but the other key too, uh, Fitz, I think is they really love the game. They really seem to really love playing baseball. Oh yeah, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, we've got some really good, talented baseball players, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's they'll go seven days a week if we could. But uh, you know, we'll we'll never turn the lights out on them. They can stay as long as they want at night. Um, you know, and, and, and get their work in if they want to do extra work, if they want to get there early and do early work. You know, we always have a coach there all, all the time. So uh, we're never going to turn them away from trying to, to trying to get better and, and trying to uh, develop and enhance their game. I mean, that's what it's all about. For me, it's about them getting to the next level when they go to the next level. Just being able to compete, you know, when they go into a big school or a situation they're going in the next for college that, they're just ready and able to compete, and they're, they're, nothing's going to be thrown at them that they're not that they're not used to, that they haven't been in. No situation's going to be too big. The moment's not going to be too big, and and they should be able to handle themselves, uh, you know, the, the right way. And, and you know, their baseball careers are baseball careers. What they do with it, and and the time that they put in is is gonna is gonna reward them later on. Yeah, and I, I think you told me what seventeen. Uh, Players on your roster have college <clears throat> commitments or signed. Yes, we have. Yeah, we have seventeen commits, um, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, we have seventeen players that are committed from Power Five to to junior college. So uh, it's not all Power Five guys, but we we I think that we do a good job of getting our guys placed 
Uh, I think that's one of the main things that a, that a high school coach should do. And, you know, if you coach travel ball like I do, as you know, then, you know, the summer's where we can really get after these college guys and have them come see our players. And at the end of the day, it's on the player to get a scholarship. I've never gotten a kid a scholarship in my life. I've put them in front of guys to get a scholarship. But at the end of the day, it's on the player whether he gets a scholarship or not. I just put the eyes in front of them, and they can they can make their assessment off of that. But I try and t- I try and promote guys where I think that their best fit's going to be, whether it's a power five guy or a D two guy or a JUCO guy or whatever. So, you know, not every guy that we have is is going to be promoted to, to a power five coach. You know, because again, my reputation's on the line, and if I can't send a guy that's not a power five guy to a power five team, you know, that doesn't make it doesn't make us look good either. So, yeah, Fitz. Before we bring Dave in, I want you to just kind of you know, give a plug to your to your staff because you got as as good a staff as there is, and uh, I know how hard they work, and and you know the, the the summer ball that they they are involved with, and just how they help you run practice and and get everything going. So just talk about your staff a bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think success. A good head coach surrounds himself with really good people, right? Like, I have really good stability in my coaching staff. Um, I got Will 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 McCrimmon, who's a young coach who's really hungry. He's our head JV coach. I'm actually his assistant JV coach. He's our outfield coach as well. Mike Fetterman does our catchers. He's been a head coach, a longtime head coach. He was at Coral Springs High School. And then Mike Semaluka is a, a really good uh, guy with the pitchers. He handles all of our pitching stuff. Uh, Mike Sandoval uh, is our infield coach who uh, does a phenomenal job with our infielders. And Juan Rincon, who is a 13-year big leaguer, uh, also helps out uh, with the pitchers on the younger level and at the varsity level as well. So we have a wealth of knowledge. Uh, coach Bonner, who's been there for 26 years, he was my little league coach. He's he's kind of the guy that does all the managerial stuff as far as writing the lineups and organizing the bus and taking us here and taking us there and organizing things. So, uh, I've been very fortunate and very lucky to be surrounded by really good people, and uh, you know, I, and they bring they bring different levels of the game and the teaching to them. One thing I do is I let my coaches coach, and uh, I don't stand over them. I don't I don't uh, you know uh, micromanage. I, I let them coach because I believe in what they're teaching. I believe in what they're doing, and obviously the proofs in the pudding. So. Um, I we have a set schedule, but when it comes to our individual coaching time, those coaches coach their positions, so it's really good. It gives me a chance to walk around, and then all, uh, you know, three of us handle the hitting part of it: me, Sandoval, and Fetterman. So, uh, and Will's down in the cage with the guys when they're running stations. So it's really good. It's a, it's a marriage for sure. Yeah, and uh, Dave, I think uh, you got a pretty good outline of why Stoneman Douglas is this well-oiled machine and uh, and really kind of, the, you know, certainly one of the highest standards of high school baseball in the country. Yeah, oh, there's thoughts. no question. I, I knew before we had Todd on, but I, I'm glad our audience who may be in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, is getting a glimpse of maybe what could be the best baseball in our country in that pocket down there in Broward County. Todd, when, you know, obviously you have a lot of talent around you, players, you mentioned 17 commits, you've got a great coaching staff. You've built this program up step-by-step step since 2012, three-time national coach of the year. Um, but when, when a team faces a Todd Fitzgerald type of team, um, 
what's he going to see? What are you guys about? What do you stand for on the field? Um, what are those staples that you employ every single day in practice that show up in the game? Well, number one is toughness, mental toughness, and, and, and the ability to focus and lock in for seven innings, one pitch at a time, one at bat at a time, being able to make adjustments on the fly, um, not, not backing down when things don't go your way, uh, always keeping your head up, playing hard, getting on and off the field, grinding out at bats, making the pitcher really work hard through the lineup, um, you know, playing stellar defense. I'm a firm believer that you win championships with pitching and defense and offense will win you games. But if you really want to, if you if you if you're going to win the big one, you got to be able to pitch and defend. So, and we play at a high tempo. You know, we like to play quick. We like to keep our defense on their toes. We like our pitchers to get the ball and, and attack and pound the zone and you know throw strikes. You know, you can't defend the walk. So if you're walking guys and a guy gets a cheap hit, you're down two right off the bat and. You know, some usually a snowball effect uh, happens. So we just try and play with those principles: um, discipline, um, hard nose, and and I think that when when we're done playing the game, I want the other team to say, "Man, that's a really well coached team, and they're really prepared and they play the game the right way." That's the best compliment you can get. Well, absolutely, I. You know, I, I get asked a question a lot about <clears throat> uh, kids. Have kids changed? Yeah, I don't think kids have as much as maybe parenting's changed. What's been your experience with that? Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that it's parenting. Um, I think there's a sense of uh, entitlement in some ways. I think that if uh, it doesn't go well for an individual, then it's an excuse. Um, I think that kids are not taught to compete and fight anymore for position. I think that uh, if you're a freshman and you're not on varsity, um, the majority of people transfer and go to another school. Um, but, you know, we've been very lucky to where the kids have really bought into the whole development piece of it because at the end of the day, it's all about development. Wins and losses will take care of itself. And make no mistake about it, nobody wants to win more than I do. But at the end of the day, it's about developing the players and getting them to believe and understand how to play the game. And it's not even the game between the lines. It's 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 a game of, of failure. It's a game of success. It's a game of highs. It's a game of lows. And how do you handle those moments? And how do you handle those moments when you're in big situations as well? Are, are you are you looking for that walk? Or are you wanting to be the guy with the game on the line? To, to, you know, to, to drive in the win and run, you know, or if you're 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, are you going to make your last at bat of the day your best at bat, or are you going to continue to feel sorry for yourself? So it's really just a mindset and a, and a, and a, and a drive too as well. But yeah, I think, I think parenting is, is, is uh, definitely uh, hurting our kids a little bit, uh, just lack of discipline and kids want discipline. But uh, as, a, as an educator in the school system as well, um, we need to get back to the grassroots of, of really getting kids to critically think for themselves instead of looking at the phone for an answer or, or things of that matter. So um, just getting kids to put the phone down and communicate. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. Those socialization skills are critical for kids at, at such a young age. And more so than the school part of it, just being able to socialize. And these kids don't even know how to do that sometimes. So just trying to educate them every day. I love that. Yeah. Joe, pass that back to you. 
Yeah, Fitz, talk a little bit about, because we, we are in this highly uh, technology age, no doubt about it. And I believe this year uh, there's going to be communication with the catcher, right? Is there? Here like, is. Uh, yeah. Can you talk about it? It's not exactly for our audience. It's not exactly pitch calm like they have in, in the big leagues because there's nothing. There's no earpiece for the pitcher. But right. the catchers are wearing an earpiece basically to get the, the signs from the dugout and so forth. Can you, can you take us through your thoughts on that and, and how you're just kind of developing your catchers to, you know, to, to work with that? Yeah, I mean, our catchers love it. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's only it's only coach to catcher. So. I mean, the number system's kind of the same. But I don't know if it's any faster or whatever, but, you know, uh, our, our, we've been using it for the last two and a half weeks. Our kids like it. We use the headset app. Uh, shout out to them, actually, for uh, for, for letting us uh, be their uh, flagship there. So, um, you know, it's a little earpiece. Coach talks in, into his earpiece. He relays the pitch, but you still got to put a sign down. So it's not – I don't think it's of any benefit. Maybe it speeds the game up. I don't uh, I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Um, I really like the fact that if, if they would get it to the to the pitcher and the players as well, like they can in the summer, then I think it'll really speed the game up. And then it, it could really have some good advantages. You'd never have to give a sign. So everybody just look down and look at their, their wrist or their band and you could do it from there. But catcher, catcher, pitcher, catcher right now, I'm not overly – thrilled or excited about just because you know you can do the number system as well so uh, either way our catchers like it so if they're happy i'm happy <laughs> so how was it was it before was was the dugout typically calling the pitches was the catcher and the pitcher kind of working it uh, i know you guys game plan and so forth but uh how how do you normally like that dynamic or does it depend yeah. on the pitcher sometimes no we always we always uh, call pitches from the from the dugout our pitching coach calls all the pitches uh Simaluka does so um <clears throat> you know he he calls all the pitches and uh you know that's that's the way we've always done it you know we don't allow the pitchers to uh to shake off a pitch if, the, if there's something that they're that they really don't like they can step off and then we can go back through the sign system there but um you know if, if they shake off and they're really adamant about throwing something else then they better execute it or you know, they, they might want to go to the other end of the dugout at the end of the inning. So, uh, I, you know, we just try and take all the pressure off them. And, you know, if, if I call a pitch and you execute the pitch and the kid hits it out of the park, then that's on me, you know, not on you. You just you just do what we ask you to do and do it to the best of your ability and let it fall where it may fall. But, uh, you know, we want, we want to take all the guesswork out of it for the kids. We just want them to, to get the ball and go. How, how do you incorporate uh, the analytics with uh, <laughs> with your coaching? Obviously, you got you you Oof. got the TrackMan system. You got things that can measure, uh, you know, measurables in the game. How do, how do you find that marriage going for you? You're, you're you're talking to a guy who had to have his wife set him up on this computer tonight. So I have no clue <laughs> whatsoever. Mike Semaluka is probably we call him the Rain Man. It's probably the best analytical guy that I've ever been around as far as that goes in numbers and stuff. So he gets all the numbers. He goes through all the numbers, breaks it down, and he gives me a report. Um, but do I do I have any clue? Not really, because at the end of the day, <clears throat> the analytics are great, but the, the human factor has to come into play, right? Like, are you a baseball player or are you a showcaser? And 
you know, there's there's two different types. I, I want baseball players. I'm not worried about the analytical side of it. When they get to the advanced level, the pro level, the power five level, the college level, they could they could deal with that. I just want my kids to be very, very good high school baseball players that have an opportunity to play at the next level. So I don't talk about that too much. I talk more about the mental side of the game and the mental side of, of what we do more so than the analytical side. Because if I told you I knew what I was talking about, I'd tell you I was, you called me a liar. So. <laughs> Let's talk about the mental side. What what are you seeing from you know today's athlete compared to five years ago? Uh, it, it's 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 a little bit of a lack of toughness, uh, especially uh, mental toughness. Um, you know, not being able to handle failure, and it's more so probably with the I don't know fourteen U down level maybe um, as not so much at, in my in my program. But, uh, you know, our freshman class, they need to grow up and they need to go up quick if they if they have an opportunity, if they want an opportunity to play at, at, at the varsity level. Um, just just being tough. And, you know, this is for the parents, really. Like, you don't have to play baseball 365 days a year to be good. OK, I, I, I promise you, my son, who's one of who's a very, very good baseball player. He, he never played his 14U summer or 13U summer, and he's going to a Power 5 school, and he's a switch hit and shortstop, and his body's fresh, his arm's fresh, and he's put the work in the weight room. The weight room is key. You have to train. If you don't take time off to train, you're going to get passed by. That's just the way it is. And the guys that play 350, 60 days a year are the guys that get passed by in the end. They might be outliers when they're younger, but eventually it all catches up. So my advice to, to that is take time off, allow them to be kids, and, and and really it'll keep them more hungry for the game instead of like, oh, man, I got to go practice again. I got to go train again. Like take some time. It's okay to take eight weeks off. It really is. It's not the end of the world. So there's got to yeah. be a point at some time throughout the course of the year you, you've got to take time off and let the body rest because – your body's never going to heal. It's never going to grow. It's never going to. It's never going to recover if you're just constantly beating it up all the time. Dave, are oh, you preaching to the choir? We we love that message for our families out there because today's world of fear missing out that they have their kids out there driving them to try to achieve things maybe they wish they had or they see their neighbor they they think everybody's got the answers. I'm going to go back to the baseball field with you. Watch Major League Baseball, and I, and I am as a former professional player, former college coach, I'm appalled at some of the base running I see. Um, hmm. What do you work on in terms of base running? How much do you work on it? Share some tidbits about that with our audience. Cause I think it's, I think it's the most under taught thing in the game right now. That, that in the catching position is actually the most under taught thing in the game. So number one, because you just don't have enough coaches that know the catching position, right? I'm lucky enough to have a really good catching coach, but, um, yeah, we base run every single day before we pick up a ball to throw. So we'll stretch and we'll do 15 to 20 minutes of base running before we even throw a baseball, whether it's working on secondary leads, steal, hit and run, squeeze, uh, just just half, half, we call them half singles where you go halfway down the line, you just work on hitting the front edge of the bag, you know, looking away, looking for the foul ball, uh, turns around the bag, um, tagging on fair and foul balls, 
falls at you or behind you. So we work some kind of component of base running every day for about 15 or 20 minutes before we even pick up a ball to throw. So I think it's very valuable because you can win and lose a lot of games on the bases. And uh, if you don't know how to run the bases, then yes, it can. It can cost you, especially in, in big situations. My number one pet peeve is when a guy gets a two-out single and he's going – or two-out double and he's rounding and he's going for two and the guy's coming from second to home and he's coasted in. The guy gets thrown out his second and the guy doesn't score because he thinks it's an automatic run score. So that's, you know, that that that's a big pet peeve. You should never cheat the game. You should always give 100% and run as hard and fast as you can until the, until the last out's made, so – we always preach that. I love that. How, how about the catching position? I know you have someone who handles catching for you, but you know we see a lot of it's, it's trendy out there. We see the one knee thing has dropped from Major League Baseball down to eight year olds now, um, where we, they're training young kids to try to be twenty five year old men. Um, the ground up uh, stealing strikes. What are some things that you emphasize with your catchers uh, that our audience needs to hear? Well, as a, as a, as a former pitcher, I want to be able to throw to a big target, right? So I want my catcher to be, have a good wide base, uh, give me a, a nice area to throw to. Um, you know, I want them to be able to get, get rid of the ball quick. I want them to be able to block. I want them to be able to control the, the pitching staff, be, be able to control the running game. Um, you know, those are things that are critical for me. Um, and our catchers, I, I'm okay with the one knee stuff, I guess. Uh, I'm getting more used to it if you got a guy that can really handle it uh, with nobody on, but with runners on base, I don't, I don't, we don't let our catchers go to one knee at all. So, um, you know, it's good, I guess, to an extent, might save the knees a little bit. I don't know, but um, again, you're asking me something that I'm not. I'm not really well versed in. I've always known catchers to be on both feet and uh, give a good wide base and a good target so the pitcher has a great area to throw to. And I think you can still steal strikes that way as you can from one knee. But, uh, you know, just uh, setting up, uh, set up late. Don't set up early. Don't give your, don't give it away. Um, you know, things of that matter. No, I think your perspective is great because it's, I, I love to hear pitchers' perspectives on it because I, I often wonder what is it like when they're seeing that big target as opposed to that guy that's crouched down with the one leg out and that glove is moving. I would imagine that's a little bit distracting to throw to. Um, Joe, back to you. Yeah, so I want to talk about you know being a father as well as a coach, meeting with obviously with with Devin. Just what that experience is like. Obviously, he's now a senior. Um, and obviously you're a proud father of, of what he's doing. And, and then your older, older boy Hunter is in the Mariners system, I believe, you know, just how, how you are the parent and the coach. Cause you really have what 40 kids are. You're basically a dad to as well, counting JV. Right. Um, and so, and then j- just talk about that element because uh, it is, and I, I really enjoy the, the father-son element of baseball. You know, I think a lot of us got into the game because they're our parents, their father. So just that, and you're fortunate enough to have a son who's really darn good. Actually, two of them, but one one still actively playing at your at your school. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty special. Uh, you know, two totally different kids. One's 6'5", 240. The other one's 5'10", 190. One's a shortstop. One's a first baseman. They both hit lefty. Devin's a switch hitter. Um, but you know, the, the, 
the number one thing probably that has taught me more that I was really hard on Hunter when, when he was younger and harder than I probably should have been. But I think he was a different kind of kid that, that kind of needed that. Um, so you, you, you don't parent your kids the same uh, in certain in certain things, I guess, because, you know, especially in athletics, because each kid is different. But, you know, they're both they're both very, very good boys. They've been straight A students. Um, my wife's done a great job with that. She takes care of all the academics and all that stuff. And I just handle the baseball. But we 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 instilled a rule that when we pull in the driveway and we come in the house that we don't really talk baseball inside the house. We're just more of a family unit inside the house. And I think that's really helped uh, the relationship with the boys over, over the years. And, uh, you know, they're, bo- they're both very driven kids. They have their goals in mind and they know what they want and, and they go do it. Uh, Devin comes home every night for practice. He eats and he goes to the gym. So, um, you know, he doesn't take a day off. Uh, Hunter Hunter was the same way when he was a kid. Um, you know, they've just been really driven to be successful. And, um, you know, my wife my wife's done a great job with that. How are you going to, you know, keep in touch with, with Hunter during the season? You know, uh, spring training's about to start. And, and as he's out there, I guess, uh, in Arizona probably, right? He call, we, we talk every day. Um, when, uh-huh. even when, even when he's out there, he'll tell me what he did in his at bats, or he'll tell me he was three for four. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what, what happened on the fourth at bat? I'm not worried about the, the three hits yet. <laughs> to tell me about the fourth at bat. So, um, and I uh, wait, he, he, he always sends me video and asks me what I think about his swing. And, you know, I, I, I've never let anybody else coach him other than Devin this past year when I let him go with the Canes. But, um, you know, uh, I think just him and I having that relationship is where, you know, I, I'm the resource that he could go to when he's struggling or it's or it's not going good. And, you know, mom's more of the, the positive coach and, you know, keep your head up and, and keep working. And, and I'm like, well, you got to figure it out, you know, like so it's uh it's kind of a it's kind of a mix mix. And um but uh, yeah, we talk every day when he's out there. He keeps me updated on what he's doing, and uh, you know, it's it's fun to watch. Oh no, no doubt, Dave. Talk about your team this year. I mean, we seventeen yeah. commits. You could probably blindfold yourself, pick one, and entertain our audience. But uh, speak speak a little bit about your middle. I know championships are usually won with great middles. I'm sure you got greatness all the way around but that catcher that second that second short combo center fielder and give us a couple pitchers kind of touch um, okay so I'll start with our center fielder Alex Rodriguez he's a 6'5 runner he's a UCF commit he's a really dynamic player he can run steal bases I think he had 30 bags last year uh, really handles the bat well doesn't strike out much um, puts the ball on the ground and also can drive the ball gap to gap, maybe run into one every now and then, and he can go foul pole to foul pole. So uh, he's really the, the anchor of our outfield. And then in the middle you have Devin, obviously, and, and Eric Torres, who's an Eastern Kentucky commit, um, who's a junior, um, who are both really, really exceptional players. Um, they both have a really good feel for how to, how to properly field the ground ball, be on time, be quick with each other, 
get the ball in, get the ball out. Uh, really, really solid defensive players as well. And then our backstop, we have two guys. We have a Louisville commit, Drew Freeman, and then Ethan Askin, who's going to Eastern Florida State. They're both two really good catchers that, that really can handle our pitching staff. And then from that standpoint, on the mound, we have three really top-notch guys. I think we have UCF commit, Gavin Gargiulo, right-handed pitcher. He's really had a great offseason, had a really good summer for us. Uh, Jaden Dubonowitz, who's a uh, 2024, he's at University of Florida commit, big, tall, lanky. We call him the human pencil. Uh, he's just really wiry, can really sling it, got a really good slider. And then uh, sophomore Giovanni Rojas, who's 6'2", lefty from the left side. He can run it up there up to 93, so uh, with a with a good with a good changeup. So we feel really good about the three guys that we have that are going to take the mound on game day. And then on the back end of the bullpen, we have a plethora of guys. We have four or five lefties and four or five righties and a sidewinder. So we have good pieces and they're all a little bit different. So they're not just stock righties, stock righty guys or stock lefty guys. They all bring something different to the table. It's a hell of a menu to choose from right there. I, yeah. I like that. It's well, uh, on, on paper now. So yeah, you know, I was, that paper. was going to be my next question. Yeah. I was gonna, you know, with, you know, people love to have talent, but with talent comes responsibility. How, how do you, you know, all these kids have individual goals, but you've obviously won championship. Talk about the space between the notes. How do you deal with egos? How do you deal with, and uh, how, how do you deal with keeping kids on track? How do you deal with that disappointment you talked about, or maybe it's not reinforced out of the field right now? Well, I guess it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, parenting, right? Like I, I'm, I'm dad at practice. So, um, you know, I make sure that they check their ego at the door. I make sure that they have total buy-in. Um, I make sure that they do the things that we ask them to do without being selfish. You know, my eyes tell me a lot and my eyes can tell me when you're giving me false false lingo or false bravado or false effort. I've been around the game a lot longer than they have, so I've seen it a lot more than they have. And uh, you're not going to be able to fool me by thinking that you're giving me your best when you're not giving me your best. And I hold them accountable for it. And, um, you know, as long as you're as long as you're consistent in how you discipline and how you treat the kids, then you're never going to have an issue. But you can't treat one kid who does the same thing as your 23rd kid any different if it's your top player or your 23rd player and they both commit the same offense they both have to get the same penalty so as long as you're consistent in how you discipline then i think that this then this is for young coaches out there just be consistent in what you do and stick to your guns and don't worry about what the parents think or don't think because they're always going to have a way out. They're always going to have an answer. They're always going to have a solution. But at the end of the day, your core values are your core values for your program. And that's the only way you're going to be able to sustain success. Yep. I had one of my former players talk to a young group of kids that I was connected with, working with. And it's, this is one old fashioned guy to another. They talked a lot about discipline and they explained to the young kids that, when he disciplined us, that was his way of showing he loved us. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I agree. I agree. I think, like I told you earlier, I think kids want discipline. It's when I stop talking to you or when I stop riding you, that's probably when you need to worry. 
if I'm riding you or if I'm on you, it's only because I'm trying to make you better because I don't think you're given everything that you can give to be the best that you can be. And I can't stand for that. And if I, if I let that go, then I'm not doing my job as a coach to make you the best person and player that I can do that I could possibly do that for. And uh, I'm not going to shortchange you. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. And, uh, you know, that's that's just who I am. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of old school in that way, but, w- but with some new school technology, I've learned, you know, how to, how to deal with kids a, a lot better over the years. But, um, you know, I still have certain values and core principles that I, that I run the program by. And, like I say, my coaches are, are, are got my back a hundred percent and the players do too. I love that. Joe, back to you. Yeah. Fitz, talk about um, uh, some of the alums because we, yeah. uh, Roman Anthony, obviously mm-hmm. in with the Red Sox, a really, really talented prospect. I think he's top 50 in, uh, in many of the like MLB pipeline type stuff, baseball America. Just, just uh, talk a little bit about, about Roman. We had uh we had an event a couple of weeks ago with Jesus Lazardo at the school, a little, fun, little fundraiser that he's working on. Obviously, Anthony Rizzo, an alum who's uh, you got the field named after him. Uh, you know, just talk about what they mean in the program. And, and Roman Anthony really illuminates the people who are going to really start seeing this name in the next couple of years when he finally hits the big leagues. Uh, you know, what kind of player he is and, and how much fun was he a couple of years ago to coach? Yeah, no doubt. Roman's a special talent. Um, I've coached him since he was 12 years old. Um, I always knew he was going to be a draft guy. I thought he was going to be a first rounder. Um, Should have been. Um, but I, I definitely believe he's going to be a big leaguer. And um, he's going to he's gonna make it. He's just really, really got to hit his head on the right way. He carries himself the right way. He's a pro. He's been a pro. Um, he didn't listen to the outside noise. He just worked on his game. And he's just a tremendous person who has a tremendous family and, and great resources. Hey, uh, Jesus Lazardo, who's with the uh, Marlins now, is another one. He, he's in the big leagues with them. He's another phenomenal person. Uh, just great character kid who's, who was with us for four years as well. Um, he's going he's gonna to do great things. He's going to be in the game for a long time. And and Kobe Mayo, who just got invited to spring training, big league camp uh, uh, this morning, I think, or yesterday, got invited to uh, big league camp. Is probably going to be a big leaguer some at some point this year. So those are three. And Colton Welker, who was with the big, he 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 was up with the Giants, he got a little bit of big league time, and now he's looking for a job. But those those guys are are you know kind of the staples of the of the program as far as the guys that are going to be the next big leaguers out of Douglas. So, um, you know, I couldn't be happier for them and, and what they've achieved in their career and, and where, where, where it's taken them just, but more importantly, they're just all really, really good human beings. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And it's kind of give our audience uh, that just gave them a little indication of, you know, where these players at these really good high school teams like Stoneman Douglas, uh, you know, the reward is when it get to that, you know, you get a handful or so or more will hit the big leagues. And uh, just speak to just, you know, 
the competition down here too. If it's obviously South Florida, we're we're partial. You know, we're we're definitely biased because we we're down here. But it's got to be up there with with everybody. I certainly believe so. There's just so many great programs and and schools around that that allow everyone to push each other. Just you know how you know the state of baseball in in South Florida. Your your I, observations. I don't I don't think there's anything better than South Florida baseball as far as uh, competition at, at that level, the high school level. I think it's intense. I think you can go to many different venues and see many different things. The cultures uh, are different. The the style of play is different in certain areas. Um, I just believe that it's such a high level of, of competition because there's so many good players. But make no mistake about it, guys. There's a lot of good baseball around the country. I'm telling you, it's it's unbelievable. Um, Georgia, Texas, California, even the Northeast has some really good baseball players. Uh, I mean, the, the the amount and the wealth of, of talented players that are out there is is something I've never seen before. They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. But with that being said, you have guys that really know how to play, and then you have guys that that are really good metrics guys so when I'm a college guy recruiting a kid I'm looking at a kid that can play I want the metrics help but at the end of the day can this kid win for me or not and you know when when you find those kind of players that that you're always going to be successful in, in whatever you do as far as the coaching arena goes because you know those guys are going to give it to you every single night you know you touched on something Fitz that you know, I've had conversations through the years with scouts, veteran scouts, scouts who were in player development and 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 then front office scouting saying, how do I find a quote unquote winning player? And and I think you kind of touched on it. Your eyes can tell you <laughs> probably yes. more than than what than what the uh, spreadsheet tells you. Not that 110 mile an hour exit below is a bad thing, but your eyes can tell you if a guy if a guy's a winner or not. And and how do you kind of use your eyes to to find, you know, those characteristics of somebody that, you know, is a bulldog that, you know, is going to do whatever it takes and is just going to compete on every pitch like never before? Well, you 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 can see it. You can you can sit on a game and watch a kid for two or three games and find out what his real character is just by watching him. In three games, you may go three for three in the first game and may go 0 for four in the in the second game with three strikeouts. Is he the same kid when he's having success or is he a different kid when he's not having success? So I think the ones that are truly special are the guys that you never know if they're three for three or 0 for four because they do this. They do the same things regardless. They carry themselves the same way regardless. Uh, they act the same way regardless. I always tell my kids all the time, if you're having a bad day and you go and you're over on the bench and one of your teammates doesn't come over and put his arm around you and say it's going to be okay, you might want to look at yourself in the mirror because then you need to ask yourself, am I a good teammate or not? So that's one of the things that I always talk about with our kids. You know, you want to be, you want to be accepted. You want to be in. You want to be the guy. You want to be that guy. But are you, do you want to be the guy when it's only going good? Or do you want to be the guy when it's not going good and still can be the guy, you know, with the same focus and the same drive? Because those are the guys that, that truly, you know, 
winners and leaders flock to. We have a saying that this year, complacency is for losers. And uh, if you're complacent, then you need to stop playing baseball because you're not going to get any better. And, uh, you know, that's what we're going with this year because complacency, all that does is is bring everybody else around you down. So we, we won't allow that. And uh, I think the guys really do a good job of policing that and keeping those guys upbeat all the time. So. Oh, that, those are excellent points. I hope our audience is taking notes on some of those. Uh, Fitz, I want to, before we, we're getting kind of pushed for time to the end, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, about coaching and, you know, coaching qualities. Obviously, you're you're big Bama guy and, you know, Nick Saban, we, his resume obviously in his, speaks for itself. And and what do you see in in what Nick Saban's philosophies were? How much of those principles are part of uh, Todd Fitzgerald's uh, coaching foundation? And and just in general, just what are qualities you find when you're observing coaches that make them who they are? Well, first of all, I'd like to say if Coach Saban is listening. I would love to have a meeting and sit down and talk with him for a couple hours on his, the way he built his program and the foundation and the standards that he lived by. I think he is the greatest football mind to ever come around. Um, I think that his leadership is unquestionable. I think he has a true love for his players and he really wants the best for his players and he wants them to get to the NFL and, and achieve their dreams. But he's a fierce competitor. He, you never see him stop coaching. When he's up 30, he's still coaching to the last play of the game. When he's down 20, he's still coaching to the last play of the game. Those are the guys that have sustained success in this, in this game. You know, he's never satisfied with the outcome because there's always something that his players or himself or his coaching staff could have done better to make that team even better than what they were on that night, if that makes sense. Um, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal football coach. I, I, I'm on Twitter all the time and I listen to his messages and you know, it's just it's something that I try and incorporate with our guys. And my kids know that I love Alabama. Um, I love it to death. And uh, and I'm, I'm really sad that he's gone. But I think he's laid a legacy and a foundation there for Coach DeBoer to take over, who's a young, enthusiastic, energetic coach. He's got a lot of passion, knows the game really well, and has had success everywhere he's been. So I think Alabama football, as people would think, that they might take a step back um, I think they're in really, really good hands, and don't and make no mistake about it. Don't think Nick Saban's not going to have his finger on the pulse. Okay, he's going to be involved in some way. Maybe it's directly or indirectly, but he's going to have his finger on the pulse. And Coach DeBoer, I'm sure, will le lean on him for many things uh, that will help that program have sustainability over the next ten or fifteen years, or however long he's there. It's Dave coached in Alabama at Jacksonville State. So oh yeah, Dave, uh, is, they got yeah. the they got the field up on the on the hill by by the library. Yeah, oh, gorgeous gorgeous campus. Great, yeah, great place for a young 
young coach to get his career started because it's I thought it went back to Mayberry. Not a great not a great place to pitch though boy that ball flies out no. of that park. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But flies. Uh, but a great great community there. Rudy Abbott built a great great baseball program for decades at that Absolutely. division level and Jim Case carried it further and uh I, you know we we talk about old fashioned values. I loved it there because it was a front porch community, no backyards, no fenced in yards, people out on their front porches saying hello. The only thing I couldn't get used to is I'm Italian New York. So they kept trying <laughs> to get me say y'all and they kept coming out used guys every time I said it. Used guys. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. My cousin Dave. <laughs> <laughs> right. was, we uh, used to travel to Jacksonville State and play, man, when I was at Lincoln Memorial University. We were a D2 too. And uh, we'd go up there and play. A good friend of mine, Joey Burns, used to pitch there. And, uh, it was always good to see them, always good to go out there and play. But uh, like I said, there's some great places around this country to play baseball. And now they're a Division One program, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just the, the amount of the amount of opportunities that kids have, if they could just understand that, you know, it's okay, you know, that you can go to this great place and, and have, a, have a successful career. But more importantly, get an education and set yourself up for the rest of your life. Uh, there's some some great stuff from from Todd Fitzgerald, uh, coach at Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, Dave, any last questions for Fitz, and we'll get him out of here and enjoy the rest of his night. No, we just appreciate you coming off the diamond right to this interview, and even had to rush through dinner for us. And our audience, our set, our sixty seven thousand got a treat tonight, and and uh, we certainly appreciate you sharing and open up your program to to our global group here. So we appreciate you, Todd. Thanks so much. I uh, appreciate it. And thanks for having me. It was an honor. And uh, go Eagles. <laughs> go, go Eagles. It starts up officially when, Fitz? I know uh, preseason next week. And when's, when's opening day? Fe- uh, February 20th. February 20th, which is coming fast. And and I say this uh, regularly when, when we, we talk high school sports more extensively to all our listeners. Go out and support these young athletes, no matter the sport, um, you know, what, whatever it is, whatever your passion. But there's a lot of really great people like like Top Fitzgerald who are are coaching the kids out there, doing the best they can, support these these fine athletes. They're they're really worth worth uh, watching and supporting and following. Uh, I look forward to it. It's going to be a very exciting year. Uh, from my end and, and appreciate Tom Fitzgerald having taken some time to join us tonight. Fitz again. Thanks again, my friend. Appreciate you, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, you know, the final message will be, we'll be back next week. With another great guest reminder, everybody keep following all the, all the programs that we got here on the channel on real voices of the game. And with that, I'm Joe for Sarah man on second. And we are out of here. I ain't as good as I want. I'm